0: Hey, you're listening to Celebrate Sounds, a podcast celebrating the endeavours of creatives on the north coast of New South Wales. Today's episode features Mr. James Ross, uh, an incredible guitarist, guitar teacher and performer. Uh, We had a great chat about his musical story and um, yeah, you're going to enjoy this one. Big shout out to anyone who's putting gigs on and performing gigs. Can't wait till December 1. Looking forward to uh, party time and lots of music happening. Enjoy the show. Hey, you're listening to Celebrate Sounds, a podcast celebrating the endeavours of creatives on the north coast of New South Wales. Today in uh, a totally random lounge room, um, thanks to, uh, to Sybil for loaning uh, her lounge room, we've got James Ross. I want to say in the studio, because that's what I always say, but we're not in the studio. So just, how are you, man?
1: I'm, I'm well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's a makeshift studio, studio, so
0: yeah, absolutely,
1: and a, and quite a
0: comfortable one at that.
1: It's pretty nice.
0: <laughs> kind of sink back in the couch and just um and and yeah, relax, and we're going to have a, a good chat about all things music. So I like to always start the podcast with um, just a little bit about the artist. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? And kind of like you know you ta- t- talk about you know where you came from, but also like how you kind of got into music and what sort of um, first took your interest or do you have a musical family all that kind of stuff and we'll just see where the conversation goes.
1: Cool sounds good. Oh, I guess it probably starts starts with um, my going. my father really yep. he he's a musician he's into playing the bass guitar as a bit of a hobbyist musician really um, but yeah completely passionate about music of all types and as a kid, there was always instruments in the house yep. and there was always music playing, whether it was jazz, you know, heavy, like Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. Everything. Pink Floyd, everything. So there was a, a good mix of music and he certainly um, inspired that and he kind of took the approach where if it was around and I was interested, I would, I'd pick it up on my own accord. So mm. he never really pushed music lessons or anything like that. Yeah. And I guess there wasn't really much around where I grew up either because like, sure. I grew up in a place called Gloucester yeah. and there's not a lot happening in the music scene there. Yeah. So it was limited as far as musical education is concerned and I got inspired by my dad and then kind of t- took my own path and um, yeah, met a few crew and ended up forming a band with, with my dad and a few other older fellas nice. and we did many gigs for many years but Sort of And when did you
0: first start Like first start
1: playing Would have been about Sort of 10 or 11 Yeah I think Guitar Guitar Yeah because that's your instrument Guitar is my main instrument Actually Kind of Guitar for a little bit Yeah And probably because my older brother Played it And as many younger brothers Do They sort of Try to do what their older brother did Absolutely But then I also Kind of got into the bass For a little bit Sweet And dad's a bass player So that was just Laying around the house Yeah But yeah Mainly a guitarist
0: Yeah, cool. And so, like, how – at the moment, like, I know you from the fact that you're a music teacher, the fact that you play all around the place, do a lot of jazz gigs, all that kind of stuff. How did you find, you know, making music your kind of career? Like, what was the the path or trajectory, like, that took you on that journey?
1: Yeah, I think um, that happened when I was pretty young. I would have been maybe 12, 13, and I – had really committed a few years of hard practice. I was yes. just and I wouldn't have even called it practice. It was just I loved playing. Yeah. So I'd pick up the guitar every day and developed enough skill to be able to get a gig. Yeah. And then through gigging, earning money, you kind of light bulb moments happen, go, Hey, maybe I can maybe I can make this my job. Fully. And it was probably about I would have been fifteen or sixteen and I started teaching beginner guitarists, right. um, like young students who were wanting to learn. I, I taught at my high school, and I found that was a really good hobby income. And then I started gigging with my dad from about the age of 15 or 16 in a, in a band yep. with adults, and we did about two or three gigs a weekend yep. for about five years there. How old were you then? So from about 15 through oh, to true. 20. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so I it was see. about five years of just gigging with him, playing pub cover, rock, yeah. blues, that kind of stuff. Yeah, rite of passage stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I was kind of... <laughs> Um, out at pubs as a 15 year old with all these adults playing gigs for, for the community and traveling up and down the coast. Getting paid. Getting paid while my mates Damn. were working in a, in a chip, chip <laughs> Washing shop. dishes or yeah. whatever. Yeah, fully. So I was like, wow, this, this could be a, a career path. Yeah. And, uh, I just knew that when the opportunity arose, I wanted to go and venture and learn more. It seems
0: the more that I talk to a lot of musicians who are doing music, full-time whether that's performing writing producing recording doesn't really matter teaching like what a lot of them have that similar thing of like I knew I really wanted to make this my thing and obviously you have different jobs here and there you do different things to kind of whatever you have to do to kind of make ends meet Um, but at a young age a lot of people kind of recognize that and it's kind of cool don't you think like at that age you kind of can see that You like being creative, you like performing, you like playing music and you can actually make some money out of it. And it is actually – I hate when people say that, oh, you can't be a musician, it's not reliable. Obviously, COVID is proving that a little bit right. But it is actually, if you work hard, a really lucrative and a great, rewarding sort of career.
1: Totally, yeah. Yeah, It it was really quite refreshing being in year 10, 11, 12 – Whilst a lot of people around me were really uncertain of where they wanted to take their life, mm. and I knew strongly that it was music, yeah, and I was able to kind of just be pretty relaxed in that, yeah, and uh yeah, so that was, and I kind of felt the same ever since, yeah. I'm still really passionate and inspired to continue. Isn't a that incredible? With music. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's sort of, it's not something that's forced. It's it's quite natural. I just, yeah, yeah. I feel very grateful and and thankful that. I've got that purpose. Yeah, and I, I don't have to go searching for it. Totally.
0: Yeah, that's sick. So, okay. So, I guess you're around what twenty? Um, you've been playing in in this band. Did you say five years that you're probably
1: about five yeah, years? Around, yeah,
0: around twenty years old. And sort of what happened then? Like, where did where did you sort of branch out to?
1: So it would have been. I took a year off after high school. Yeah. I, I, I during the HSC, I went and auditioned for the Southern Cross Music University. Yeah. And got into that. And decided to have a, a gap year yep. and just work and, and explore a bit. And, um, yeah, so eventually I moved up to, to Lismore. Yeah, moved sweet. out of home for the first time and, and got a pad. I was living with a girlfriend. Yeah. We moved up there together. Where did you live? In Lismore? Uh, just out in a place called Kirong, which is about okay, know, 15 Keurung. minutes yep. toward the Shannon. Yeah. And it's a little – it was basically farmland yeah, kind sweet. of thing, which is pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I'd travel back and do gigs because it would become pretty lucrative by yep. that time. I could – pick weekends where I'd head back down to visit family, do a few gigs, catch up and yeah. Anyway, that's where it kind of all began. It's like these light bulb moments really started to become really uh, regular. I was like, wow, this is what professional musicianship looks like and this is what a real guitarist sounds like and wow, this is what it could be like into the future because I'd been very sheltered in a lot of ways apart from being able to listen to records and and, um, you know, play with the people yeah. that were there. I didn't get to see a lot of music. Well, I
0: suppose you're in a small town and, and that's one of the things that, like, um, you know, Bellingen is really the exception to the rule with small towns a lot of the time because we, when you do grow up in a small town, um, there aren't a lot of opportunities in terms of arts and culture all the time and so it is tricky to kind of immerse yourself in that world but I imagine once you got to uni... Byron that sort of whole arty area you probably started experiencing that a lot more
1: yeah yeah and just per capita so many so many musicians and really quality players up there through the university they'd been honing that degree for about 20 years and some of the best teachers were teaching there at the time you
0: probably went around the time that my mate Dean Sharkey was um Hmm. I don't know if you remember that I know Dean Sharkey yeah yeah not well but I know him no yeah yeah well he was yeah he's he's he would be about your age and he was up there. um, I don't think he ended up finishing doing music, but he was doing it for a little while. I would have been visiting up there as well. It's hilarious. We're talking about off air before that we probably played basketball against each other back in the day. So imagine that. that. And then maybe I was just wandering around the uni with my mates while you were up there as well. Very Small world. It is a small world. One thing that I I really like and I admire about like um, your playing because, you know, you're very proficient at what you do. Is um and just your, your general energy is that it's always about like getting better. So even you know twenty or however many years you've actually been playing for, you're still always aiming to improve. And and at the moment you're doing this really cool ensemble thing, um with a bunch of kids and teaching them to do it. And we we're talking off air about how that feels like a little bit of a lost art at the moment, like the high school band, the 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 kindling of like future musicians and performers. How like if I can talk about that for a minute, like what what made you come up with that idea?
1: I think uh, the, the backlog of coming from a, a place where there wasn't a whole bunch of that for me yep. and like going through a, a school where the music education was really poor, uh, that has always kind of been really strong with inside me. Yep. It's like perhaps I can provide a whole bunch of kids with this really great musical education, knowing that it's... It's a big family yeah. and, you know, you put wood on the fire, it keeps you warm Yeah, and you, you nurture the up-and-coming musicians of the future, then it all feeds back and yeah. and it betters our industry and I really believe in the arts culture. I think it adds so much to the world we live in. So yeah. everything that you, you do, whenever you better yourself, you're potentially bettering everyone around you. Yeah. And it's sort of this really nice place to be in.
0: It's a feel-good place too, I mean, because, you know, I mean – just on in the simplest way of understanding that is everyone's getting better together. Mm. And it's kind of n- a nice feeling when you're growing together, you're learning things together. Um, and, you know, on that, I, w- I wouldn't mind touching on too because you talked, talked about the value of like the arts um, culture. How how have you kind of been affected or or maybe even a better question would be like, what have you noticed over the last two years about the arts and, and music culture in particular in, in Australia and like the adversity that the, the, the music industry's faced and how they've sort of pivoted and, and tried to work around that? What, have, what are some of your takes on it?
1: Yeah, wow. That's a, that's, <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Deep. It's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, I know so many musicians that have jumped ship but there's also so many musicians that have just just shown resilience. And I, I guess the majority of those who have been able to show the resilience have had a secondary income, such as teaching. Yeah. Um, but those who have been exclusively live performing musicians have, have struggled the most. Yeah. Because there hasn't been, in my opinion, enough support. Yeah. Um, yeah, there has been some support and there's been grants and some government funding. But I mean... At the end of the day, I think having explored and toured over in Europe and, and yep. examined and sort of understood what's happening in other art cultures, Australia leaves a lot to be desired. I think we can do better. Yeah. And um, I was hoping that this could be a particular part in our history yeah. where we can use this adversity to... Become better, yeah, and 100%. improve the scene, and and I'm still hopeful that that can happen. And like an example of that might be um, just venues actually uh, or customers being okay with the idea of a cover charge, hundred percent. Things yeah. like that, yeah. little things like that, can make a big difference yeah. because you know, there's 30 people in a venue and they each pay ten dollars, yeah. and all of a sudden there's three hundred dollars in a kitty. Yeah, the business don't have to Fork stress out, all out of the cash about yeah. that. Yep, yeah. and if you're paying twenty dollars for a cocktail. $10 for yeah. live music is not very much, yeah. but it's a cultural thing that's it's yeah. programmed and conditioning. I think due to COVID, um, people have, there's an opportunity of reconditioning. Yeah. And if we could easily return back to the old ways, or we could see some uh, an, an opportunity and and look for some changes, that's one small example. Yeah, fully. But um yeah, I'm optimistic that there'll be a resurgence in, in the music scene, yeah. but I'm really aware that there's so many people that have had to abandon the, the industry.
0: Yeah, it's, it's quite sad, isn't it? I mean, you would probably know just as well as I do, like I know guys who've been in the music industry for 10, 15 years who started working at Coles, um, started like driving trucks and, and or driving vans, sorry, just whatever they could because even, even if they were in... Um, pretty regular work all that kind of stuff like their whole world festivals touring around all that kind of stuff like i have a mate who's a full-time on the road um live engineer Hmm. nothing and he's still doing a lot of studio stuff but he's on the brink now and he's been doing it for 25 years on the brink of going like i'm gonna give it up and i think that we do run the risk of losing a lot of talented people yeah um and that's where I'm concerned mostly because I think what you said was spot on. Like uh, there is a longing for arts um, and, and more culture in Australia, but I think there's no funnel. There's no obvious areas where like, you know, Bellingen's are, like we said, an exception to the rule a lot of the time. Um, but I think there is a longing for that, but the, the risk is if we don't sort to of get together and get the, the, the best minds thinking about how we can do gigs and festivals and touring and make it more profitable for the musicians and regular and that kind of thing. Um, then when we might miss that opportunity and I'm like you, I think I'm optimistic that there's going to be some really interesting, innovative changes, Mm. fingers crossed. Yep. Um, but it's not without its challenges too. So I I was, and I really appreciate your perspective on that because, um, yeah, it has been a, a tough time and you're right and this is the other thing that I commend creatives for is most creatives have to have two or three different income streams um, mm. because live gigs aren't always, you know, you can't always be everywhere at once and get all the work, even if you get offered at all on one day. Yeah. So how have you, uh, you know, coming out of your um, uni and, and doing all, all that sort of stuff, like what, what kind of things have you mostly been doing? Have you been performing mostly writing, teaching, like what's your, your main gig and the, the things that you've sort of done since finishing uni?
1: So uh, straight out of uni there was lots of touring yep. and and returned from tour casually teach yep. the, the, the ability of having that teaching degree was, was it was really I'm really glad that I did that um, because it allowed me to literally get back from tour and wherever I chose to situate in New South Wales, I could approach the schools in the area and next day pretty have much some be in, in, in and yeah. get some, some fun. It's definitely been a
0: lifesaver for a lot of friends of mine who are also musicians but have their teaching degree on the side because they can work a couple of days a week if they want and then gig yep. and it's usually pretty good work there.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a, and it was a, an inspiring kind of thing to return to yep. because you'd have all these stories and I'd enter the classroom and basically just have a heap of fun with kids yeah. talking about South America or, or wherever cool. I'd just been and sharing songs and stories and... Yep. Magic tricks, and just whatever it was that yeah, could yeah. inspire the kids, yeah, and then I guess um so that happened for a little while, um, touring back and forth from Europe and Japan and South yeah. America, and then over the last three and a half four years, um, this is the first sort of chapter where I've really settled yeah and and really committed to one teaching position, yeah, and it was mainly due to the fact that we we exited the northern rivers because we could tell that the area had got to a point where. It wasn't very sustaining for people like myself. Um, There was no meaningful full time employment in in music position teaching up there. The gigs were were really not being paid very well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot,
0: that's the thing with that area. There's a lot of gigs, but a lot of the time they're these sort of hour and a half, two hour gigs where you're not. It's not really worth your while sometimes. Yeah. And that's another thing that needs to change. We can talk about that another mm-hmm. time. But yeah, no, 100%, I agree.
1: It's, and it was really competitive all of a sudden. I mean, I had really good times up there, but I started to get this feeling of it was like a very clicky yeah. kind of location. Yeah. After being up there for 10 years, I was like, let's. So beer, my wife and I decided to travel Australia. So yeah. we bought a, a, a Hilux with a motorhome on the back and oh, I just nice. gigged around in Australia. Sick. Just played gigs from town to town and we had an amazing time. And then we. We got married and we went to Brazil for a while, toured around Brazil for a bit and then New Zealand and just explored. And, you know, we uh, decided to just make the most of that freedom that we had at that time. Yeah. Knowing that shortly after we would plan on settling. Yeah. And we weren't sure where, like that trip around Australia kind of was like, where are we going to end up? Yeah. And then we uh, we started house sitting, and um, Bellingen. There was a place available in Bellingen. I was like, oh, I remember Bellingen. I went to the Global Carnival back in yeah. two thousand and eight, and like that was a really cool little place. That's that great. would have been
0: was that was that the last one two thousand and eight? I
1: think it was the second last second one, last. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was, was awesome. I had an incredible time. Totally. <laughs> Some funny stories from that one, but um, yeah. So I knew that Bellingen was a cool place, and yep. we come down here. We got a house uh, to house sit for a little bit, and once again. The next very next day, I had work at Bellingen High Sweet. as a teacher. I wasn't teaching music; I was yeah. just teaching anything. And then I went out to the Chrysalis, yeah. uh, the Steiner School out there, and they were really interested in having me out there on their team. So we just kind of had all of these things Falling fall into place. place. Nice. And within weeks, I'd met enough musicians in the area to have a handful of gigs on yeah. the on the calendar. I was like, "This feels pretty good." Yeah, fully. It's close to our family up north. Close to the family in Gloucester. Yeah. And um, it hadn't completely gone berserk real estate-wise by that point, although it's changed. Lucky, yeah, fully. So I was like, okay, maybe we can create a life here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we've managed to do that. We've managed to to move in and call ourselves locals, although some locals potentially would argue the fact. (laughs) 30 years, isn't it, I think?
0: Well, I've been here for over 30 years, so I'm going to have to say yes. No, I think, look, the thing for me is like, I actually don't care how long anyone's been here, as long as they're here and they're in it and they're amongst it. Like we were talking about this the other day, and and you know you just alluded to the whole housing crisis. And my thing is not with people who, uh, like I don't have a beef with people who move here um, and want to settle and be in the community from Sydney. Who yeah, they might have sold a two bedroom place and can afford to buy whatever. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is. Investors buying all their properties and just uh, renting them out on Airbnb, creating a rental crisis. We could yep. get super political. I won't. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna stop myself here.
1: Uh, we but, could talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I'm actually making doing some documentary work with our class eight. Um, there's a uh, a lady in the community. She's a teacher. Her name's Kiva, and uh, we're yep. collaborating on a on a, a documentary series with class eight, and Come we're on. doing an example which is all about the housing crisis. Yep. So maybe I'll have to interview you at some point and get yeah. some um, some things. We can turn that into another interview.
0: Totally, I can give the um, I've been here for over thirty years, born and bred, and lived most of my life here, um, and I can't afford to buy here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. that's all right. Look, it's you know everyone has to um, go through something, and it's a bit it's a bit annoying and a bit frustrating can't do much about it at this point i think but talking about it's really important so i'm interested yep. if you want to do that at some point i'd definitely be interested That'd be Good, I'm keen. Yep. <laughs> that's great so where were we i, I can't even remember we go as soon as like any any kind of controversial topic that you kind of bring up and i'm like that's where
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, i'm gonna make a great journalist one day <laughs> propaganda no um yeah we we're talking about yeah so you moved here you settled in actually yeah i think um you you were playing with peter barry um, early on, uh, is that right? You're doing some. I, I remember seeing you, I feel like you were doing some um, outside
1: the old deli gigs or, yes, yeah, and then got of, into the jazz, jazz Wednesday nights. And I guess for me, it's it's always been, uh, you know, connecting with anybody and everyone that's keen. Yeah. And if there's, if it flows yeah. and something opens up and it's within my, you know, if, if I'm interested in being a part of it, then I'll just, I'll go for it. And that's I think, sick. Pete. Showed up at one point, he's like, Do you want to do some gigs? I'm like, yeah. And that's just happened over and over yeah. and over and over again. It seems to just sort of do that. That's like, so cool. Uh, so, for the example, this weekend, I got a couple of gigs coming up with uh, a local musician. His name's Mitch. Yeah. Um, and he also never played with him before, never rehearsed with him, but yeah. he needs a guitarist for one gig and a bass player for the next. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. Do so, both. Yeah. So, I do both of those. And, and it's sort of just being about being diverse enough. Yeah. For me, I've chosen to take that path of, being a sort of jack of many trades, master yeah. of none. Yeah. And I kind of consciously made that choice because... I don't know, you know man, you're
0: pretty pretty rad on the guitar. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you, man. But like
1: when you're comparing to so say like someone that's, that's what they do. Sure. Like a flamenco guitarist yeah, yeah, yeah. or a classical guitarist, that's what they do and they're that's what they do. Yep. And I'm not that. Yeah, I have learned lots of styles. I feel at that. A, at yeah, a yeah. Fairly
0: You're probably a little bit like, I'm sure we're quite similar in that way. Like, because you grew up in a small town and sometimes you do have to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just end up teaching yourself all the jobs and yeah, you know, a little bit of everything and you, 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 you will master one thing pretty well.
1: Yeah. You um, get there over yeah. time. Yeah, totally. So you could, you could really consolidate and just go bang, I'm going to do that and get there in five years. Or you could do a handful of things and maybe take 15, yeah, 20 Exactly. And, yeah. um, that's kind of been me so that's also been really good in that there's lots of opportunities sure um whereas some people might say no to opportunities because that's not their bag yeah. i've been like, you yep, like blues, dip, you're like having a crack yeah jazz reggae hip-hop it's all good. classical latin <laughs> it's all good it's all music totally. as long as the people were making it with uh good humans yeah. that got a good vibe i'm up for it yeah, yeah. and um yeah bellingen's been great in that way there's been so many things to be a part of totally. probably more things than i can actually commit to
0: oh way way above because it's so crazy it is a really creative community and one of the things i always say is like for a town of i don't know what our actual population is now it might be four thousand four and a half thousand whatever um for a town a very small town like in terms of arts we punch so far above our weight and it is so nice like i remember pre-COVID, not so much now because of what happened, but so many musicians in Bellow were doing it full-time yeah. and they were able to gig up and down the coast and there were enough gigs and teaching things and all that sort of to make it their main primary income. They might have had something else on the side. Yeah. But, um, but that's awesome. And so you've obviously slotted in really well. What,
1: what, what are you doing at the moment project-wise? So recently I've sort of just had this massive resurgence, I guess. It's just sort of it was dried up pretty bad so many gigs were canceled and it was just sort of like everything was hiatus and I was just practicing um, mainly to teach yeah. just practicing material which I'd be teaching to the kids and and since then um I've rekindled with a bunch of friends that we're playing playing in an an organ trio got a little funk trio yeah. like there's a jazz quartet which is it's the yeah. jazz realm is often very uh, what's the word I guess it interchangeable yeah. so this is monthly Wednesday fourth Wednesday every month at the That's Fed good. and one month it'll be with a, a local vocalist and the next it'll be with a sax player then there'll yeah. be a trumpet player and it'll have a different drummer and then it'll be a, sort of at the moment the really only two musicians at that gig that are stable is the, the double bassist Bruce and myself and yeah. we kind of just go well, what do we want to do this next time yeah and just and pick, we'll, your, pick your band whoever's available and then they bring some yeah. repertoire we bring some repertoire yeah, cool. and, and we we'll just see what happens so there's that kind of stuff that's happening and and then um just session work so if someone says hey can you do this and then that sort of takes its life of its own and so i'm a bit of that and there's another another uh woman in the community who's really into latin music yeah um and the fact that oh not because my wife is from from brazil but that has definitely helped the process i've been interested in that sort of music for quite some time, yeah. and there's this local local lass who's really got that thing happening on. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff That's as cool. well. Yeah, you are a bit of a jack of all trades. There's all sorts of little <laughs> projects great. happening. So yeah, 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 and it's just whatever flows. Yeah, but um, I'm open to it. our blues. Got a couple of blues gigs coming on. I really love blues. That's where yeah, it all yeah. kind of began for me. Yeah, sick.
0: Uh, who were you into when you were younger?
1: Uh, I guess the the main guy who really influenced me was Stevie Ray. Yeah, but uh, I was into like Mark Knopfler yep. and, um, you know, Clapton and Hendrix and yeah, those kind sure. of artists, as well as all of the, the heavier stuff like Metallica and yeah, all the yeah. things that you get into if you're a, a 90s child, kind of yes, going through the 90s. it's a
0: bit of a, a mishmash of all different types of genres, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I was just I was into it all. I mean, I remember recording um, my parents' CDs, like Chuck Berry yep. and um, Pink Floyd and all that kind of stuff. It was just a real broad mix of music and if someone said that they wanted to have a go at playing some of it, I'll be like, yep, have a crack. a crack Yeah, yeah. and take it as an opportunity to learn something new. Well, that's one thing that like, I
0: think I, like I used to do a lot of is learning tracks to get better in practice. Cause I don't know about you. Um, and if you're listening, sorry about, we, we are in a really relaxed, um, lounge room here, but someone's decided to, um, I might even just go and close that window. <laughs>
1: Feel free,
0: <yep. laughs> Tell, tell, tell everyone about, you know, something else.
1: <laughs> Something else. Yes. Well, I don't know what's something else. I can't quite think now. It's all right. I'm back. You're back. Cool. That was quick. <laughs> I think we're all
0: good. I managed to spill my water. Sorry, Sybil. <laughs> um Yes. We're, what were we saying? I think we've we've managed to get rid of a little bit of the sound but that's uh that's what's happening on the podcast but it's live and raw and real yeah. and we're not recording it again because we're almost half an hour in <laughs> <laughs> um yes uh yeah music genres 90s mishmash i don't know where i was going with that
1: yeah so it was kind of like um what we what i was getting into in that period is like everything from like I was talking about the blues and Stevie yes. Ray and and then sort of yeah Metallica and presidents and you know it's whoever yeah and just being excited and I think you were about to say it was much the same for you yes a while back oh yes yes of course in terms of um
0: one of the things that um you can get bogged down when you're learning an instrument is the and I think this is really important to do and it's important to practice but just boring scales and and just going through the motions and that kind of thing and I think that's super important to do, but a lot of the time it can get a bit monotonous. And so learning songs is another great way to trick yourself into practicing when you don't mm. even realize you're practicing. And exactly. obviously, yeah, I'm, like I said, I've heard you heard you play your guitar really well and, um, and you've just got a lot. I can hear that you've got a lot of influence coming in when you play. And that probably comes from just going, you know what? there's a tricky song. I really want to try and practice and learn. And is that is that how you approach it? Sometimes,
1: yeah. I think it's a it's there's a lot to be said for. Um, I guess it's listening and imitating. I, I keep coming back to this, and it's probably it's the, in the teacher, I guess, but often as a teacher you have to think about how to how to structure what you, what it is you do. Yeah. And I always come back to the fact that music's a language, and mm-hmm. and then reflect on how we learn language yeah. and then when you when you do that you realize that we are born into the world and we are exposed to the sound and then we're given this opportunity to to imitate yeah. without judgment and we do that like hours and hours a day for many for many years yeah. as a young child and Learning. we become fluent in the language yeah. and the same can happen in music if you if you've got that same sort of structure in place essentially what it is is listening and imitating yeah. and reading and writing obviously can be it's a very helpful part of that process yeah you sight read I do sight read yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and congratulations I really want to be able to but I just never been able to bring myself
1: to learning it it's a it's a you have to be so consistent yeah you have to be onto it don't you? yeah and you can learn, like it's not something that's fixed yeah like you got to keep it up yeah Muscle no, memory,
0: well, it's like the eye muscle memory, I guess, in some way.
1: Yeah, and if you don't use it, you lose it yeah. as well. It's kind of like you, you understand the process, but if you're not using it daily, yeah. you start to go backwards. Yeah, true. So, um,
0: oh, now you make me feel better about not learning it. <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> probably yeah. wouldn't lose it.
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of like that thing of if you don't need it, maybe not, because it's not in you in your world. Yeah, but if you have it, then it opens up a whole new totally. Potential of possibilities. Yeah. And I mean, there's different levels of reading too. Yeah. Like I think reading chord charts yeah. is, a, is like a, a big one. Yeah. That for me has opened up my opportunities hugely. Yeah. Like even to the point like where I'm doing these gigs on the weekend – I don't know. I haven't heard all the songs even. Yeah. But what I'll do before I do the gig is I'll listen to them all and just scratch out a chord chart. Yeah. So it's just a map of how to get through the song. Yeah. And I won't write all the dots necessarily unless there's specific melodies that yeah. I need to just remember. Because if there's 30 tunes, yeah, I you can't just remember all of those 30 tunes in, in four hours worth yeah. of listening. So you just kind of quickly jot out as much as you can. Yeah. And that's just like a little jog of the memory when you're playing. Yeah. But if I didn't have that skill – I would have been that person that was saying no to so many more gigs because I didn't sure. have that ability to feel confident yeah. in that space. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, being able to read chord charts is, I think, an essential thing. Yeah. But um, reading the dots is – yeah it's important but less important
0: yeah I suppose It'll probably more for a guitarist as well a lot of the time like you can just you, you are playing chords and, and you don't need to necessarily know that the intricate intricate notes between everything what's happening yeah um, but it, yeah it's just another one of those skills it's always interesting because it can get a little bit um uh, polarizing in the music community because you do have a lot of people that are very strong like you have to be able to read music which Again, is a great skill, and you should you should do it. But also, it's not always necessary across 100%. the board.
1: And it's, it's the same with the the, the the listening, like that process of imitation, listening, imitation, reading, and writing. Yeah, there's so many great musicians out there that don't read. And yeah, write. and, and it's can not a necessity. Do it like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and exactly right. if I mean, if your ear is good enough, yeah, if your ear is really good, then you don't you can actually um, you can pick it
0: up really quickly, yeah. can't you? Yeah, as yeah, long
1: yeah. as your role is like, if you're being thrown at a gig. And you've never heard the tune before, there's the music, go. Yeah. Like your ear's not going to, it's not going to allow you to play the melody if you haven't heard it. Yeah. So there's, there's, you fall short there. Yeah. But if you have a little gathering before and someone goes, this is the melody. Yeah. And your ear's that, well trained yeah. you can retain it and you, you're good
0: do you think like I mean and you, you'd be able to speak to this I, I think probably more than most uh, or more than a lot of musicians uh, you know because there's 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 pop music there's pop rock all that kind of stuff and a lot of the time it follows a very similar standard so it, once you've heard the verse you can kind of see where what's going to happen in the chorus and but for maybe like an odd sort of key change in one, one bar or something like that usually you can get away with it when you're playing something like jazz um, is that is that more experiential kind of – well, just experience, I guess, the more that you play it, the more you know where people are going to go. It's a little bit different to just going, okay, this is kind of repetitive. I can I can kind of see what, what's happening.
1: Yeah, it's uh, – essentially, it's just all patterns. Yeah. The whole thing, whether – and – But more, I syn- suppose, more – Complex yeah, patterns. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so you've got the patterns of a, a pop song. Yeah. And you know might have a particular progression and it's easier to track that progression – because there's less content. Yeah. Like there's less chord changes. Yeah. And and it might be slower in tempo, it depends, I guess. Yeah. So of course. um different types of and, jazz. But even. if you've spent enough time in any genre, you start to become familiar with the patterns of that yeah. genre. And then you can sort of start to predict. Yeah. And yeah. And depending on your instrument, once again, like yeah, true. if you're a, a drummer. It's completely different to whether you're the front-line of front, front line trumpeter. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, I guess the roles and responsibilities change the perspective on that yeah. that situation. But essentially it's all just patterns. Yeah. And the more you do something, the more you can be familiar with those patterns and, and be more prepared for when things come at you. Do you think of um, – obviously you know Greg Sheehan.
0: I've, I've heard um, Greg – um on the show and he obviously has his his book out the rhythm diaries and it's quite fascinating because for a long time i've always thought well music i I don't want to take away the the magic and the mystery of music but music is essentially maths like it's patterns like you exactly what you said just before do you kind of look at it like that a lot of the time and and kind of just go all right yes the 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 playing of the music the performing the intuition all that kind of stuff is really beautiful and magical but when we are breaking it down essentially we can just break it up into patterns and maths and, and, and is that how you look at it a little bit as well um,
1: definitely sometimes yeah. yeah like there's a lot like I didn't start like that Sure. so my dad getting back to that beginning part, he didn't look at music like that. Right. He's a hobbyist player. Yeah. He's it's all very about intuitive, feel feeling. Yeah. So I've grown up playing the first bands that I played with, it was all feeling-based yeah. sort of thing. And because the musical theory wasn't there then, it was just all but listening that, That's a between. great
0: learning um, environment though, isn't it? Because you are forced to, to feel what's happening, to, to hear, to sort of predict what's going to happen. And if you have, you know, I don't know for certain, but I'm sure if you had theory first, sometimes you kind of already think you have the answers and you lack that, uh, I guess, experience of kind of just working out the music for yourself, which is, I think, part of the beautiful part of learning music too.
1: Yeah, and I think it's the the, the, the scales of, yeah. of those four elements, once again, like that listening, imitating, reading and writing. If you're really heavy on on the reading and writing, you could you could know all of the the theory, theory and all yeah. the elements, but not have much life in what what it is you're playing. Very good, and, yeah. And I guess it can be the same as someone like there is a whole generation of young musicians who have learnt through YouTube, yeah. And it's a monkey see, monkey do approach, and um, it's kind of like reciting a, a poem in another language yeah. where you don't understand what it is you're saying, to some extent, yeah. I mean, and it gets a little bit more complex than that because some people who, say, monkey see, monkey do, copy, they can play with feeling. Yeah. But what it is they're playing, they don't really understand it from the point of view of how those elements connect with one another and how it can be moved around and sure. used elsewhere. Yeah, and that's that's totally. something that um, i found with a lot of people who have learnt things online, they'll yeah. just kind of, learn a song, they can play that song, but they don't know how to take the elements of that song and understand how that relates to other elements that they've learned, right. other materials.
0: And uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, perfect example is I have a, a great friend who's a great um, piano player who did exactly what you were saying first, to your point first, uh, knew all the theory, actually technically a great player, but when asked to improvise and be intuitive, all that kind of stuff, couldn't couldn't really work his head around that. And I think what you're saying is is so true. Like, you know, you can learn how to copy something, um, but without having the experience of like, okay, well, this is in this key now, even just someone telling you, this is in this key and the key can change. And so you can, you have probably a lot of young musicians who can play things technically well, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you said, oh, let's change the key and, and do it in, you know, whatever. You know, I- instead of um, F minor, we're going to do it in, in D minor and all of a sudden that changes what they've kind of learned, where they're playing on the on the fretboard and all that kind of thing, As you know, just giving the guitarist an example. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's why I, I really, you know, taking it back to what you were doing with the ensemble, I think that kind of thing is really important because I grew up in church. So for me, uh, there was no better place. Like I loved music. I started learning the drums when I was two and being immersed in being able to be involved in in um, community music at least once a week for most of my life um, and certainly later on, sometimes three or four times a week when I was 12, 13, 14, it was fantastic. But a lot of people don't have that um, that avenue, that place where they can go week in, week out and actually yep. perform and play and learn that intuition kind of stuff before they add the theory in. What might be a way that we can, you know, to foster the... the the culture of playing music and community music, and what you're doing, kind of on a bit of a macro level with the ensemble. Like, what what do you think we need to do in Australia to kind of, I don't know, encourage that a bit more? Sorry, that's a big question. It's isn't a good it? question, though. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, I think it starts starts with every musician hmm. recognizing that those who have come before and those who come after. Uh, 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 equally important, yeah, and yeah, um, to share, to not be so uh, precious about what it is you have acquired along your journey, mm. and to freely share that with the next generation, um, because once again, like I said before, it feeds that that industry that is yeah our home yeah. in a way. So um, yeah, I guess for me, I, the way I said I see my job as a music teacher in a school as as one person in a, in a big situation doing his thing, yeah. And if I can influence these kids and inspire them to just even have music as a hobby, or yeah. maybe one or two of them might become a, prof- a professional musician. Hopefully, all of them appreciate music, yeah. And um, and then they take that and share it with whoever they come in contact and sort of starts really ground ground up. Yeah, and I guess that's what musicians have had to do so so much over so long of our history is like, we've got to take care of it ourselves. But the real answer, I think the one where the big change comes is when we get really good political leadership. Yeah. Where it's valued. Yeah. um, And when that happens, then it takes a bit more pressure, takes the pressure off all the the individuals to hold it up. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I hope that in the not too distant future, we get like really interested leaders who can pull the arts and the culture yeah back up to where it was and beyond
0: yeah i mean because i you know like on that note i think it was like they amalgamated uh, arts and culture or yep. whoever was the, the the national arts minister it's like national arts and roads and it's like well Really, yeah, yeah like is that the way that is that the way that you're gonna look at this? I think you know you alluded to um, t- touring in Europe and that sort of thing before um, and I know you know have mates that have um, lived in, and played music in Berlin uh, and their whole vibe on it was that like the government already values it like I think it's I think it's Germany where they pay, artists like a it's kind of like a new start like a, an allowance or something so they can be free to be creative and and really value that and I think you're exactly right like on on that macro level really we need like a national um something uh, someone in Canberra who's like no we really want to in- increase the arts and music and 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 all of all of arts across Australia and make this like a happening vibrant sort of community rather than we're just going to build a whole bunch of roads and coal power plants. Yeah. Um, so that was a really good answer. Thank you, man. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. It's. Um. I hope. Yeah. I hope that's can be shared the, yeah. the role because it it gets taken into the hands of individuals and that's why the festival circuit becomes so big and important for our country because yeah it wasn't the wasn't it being helped from yeah the political powers yeah. uh, so then all of a sudden. It's like, well, how can we how can we uh, get through this issue? And it's like, well, let's put on gigs and, and put on festivals yeah. and create our own little yeah. industry. Yeah. So that's kind of what's happened. I think,
0: yeah, and you're exactly right. And I think the the issue with that is like when something like COVID comes along. I mean, the whole idea is that it's a lot of little independent people or independent groups or whatever kind of propping it up, which is great but there doesn't feel like there's that say ever been that real safety net. So even though maybe the music industry as a whole won't collapse, a lot of people are falling by the wayside because Mm. there's not that support there. And I think that's really important to what you were saying. Like, someone needs to be valuing, um, the arts as an industry, you know, like employees, incredible numbers of people, like more than airlines. Like I just, it's one of the biggest employers across the board. And for that to be kind of neglected and be like, eh, you know, we're not really interested. It's a really sad state of affairs. And so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic like you. Um, and I'm really hoping for some big changes. So if you're listening to this podcast radio program, get used to the idea of cover charges Tipping musicians, clapping at the end of songs, even yeah. <laughs> when you're at a restaurant. Do you ever? Do I, I often have to encourage my um, patrons to clap. It can and be, a like, thing. yeah. I, I just make a joke out of it now because, because it, culturally, it's something that is just not. And you know, if you grew up in a music family you might have um have that kind of ingrained in you but a lot of people didn't a lot of people didn't go grow up going to lots of festivals or gigs or whatever so you have to have to gently nudge them along 100
1: percent, yeah <laughs> and then like you mentioned berlin before i i remember when i first toured in germany and yeah we we'd organize our set and we've played our very first gig and you get to the end of the gig and there's an encore yep. it's like cool it's it's going well, and then we finish that song, and then there's another encore, and it's like another encore, and oh, like five yes. encores. Lady, like I didn't prepare. We didn't prepare to, anymore to, to <laughs> yeah, have boy. like what are we going to draw upon, which escalates the energy or takes it to yes. the right place. And then we thought it was like a one-off, but then that become the thing. Like yeah. Every gig you play in Germany, that's how it is. There, wow. there's you can hear a pin drop in the room, and yeah. the gigs we were playing it was the appreciation level was. Enormous, Yeah. And it just feels so good yeah. to be a musician in the company of people who really are are there appreciate what you're doing. It. Yeah, yeah. Immerse and um, yeah, sometimes you don't get that in Australia. Fortunately, more and more, the gigs that I've been playing, I've kind of ended up being in places where that's happening Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. But I've definitely had my fair share. Like that band I played and when I was working with my dad as a child, sure. it's like, there's a football above you on a TV and it's all of that kind and of TAB scene. and um, you know, people spilling beer in your fallbacks and all that kind of scene. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that yep. for the rest of my life. No. I want to kind of, and that's another reason why it was really good to be diversifying just being, I don't think I could have just been a rock musician yeah. working in pubs yeah, forever.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I could mean, have... there's definitely some, um, some soul destroying times when you're doing that kind of thing and like, especially if you're doing something a little bit different. And i found like for us, like we're, we're doing pretty standard funky kind of disco songs, but not pub rock. But whenever we're playing, it's like we're playing really well, feel like things are going well, everyone's dancing. And then two or three people will be like, oh, can you play this rock song? And it's like, oh, you're not really kind of getting what we're trying to throw down. And it can be like really disheartening. So it is nice to find those venues that, um, uh, who are putting on music and people are coming and paying a cover charge and sitting and listening to the music and, and really appreciating it. Um, bro, thank you so much for your time. I've had a really awesome chat. Um, I'm glad we did this. Um, just before we finish up, where you know, like – Obviously, you're a teacher. Um, do you have any of your own stuff, like on Spotify? I know you've played with other bands and that sort of thing that you've done some recording for.
1: I, have a, I don't really have much on Spotify, but yeah. I, I have a collection of original music that I've just kind of been sitting on for a long time. Yeah, any and plans with that? Uh, probably one day. I've been one <laughs> yeah. of those musicians who... You have f- a, a
0: crazy big back catalogue.
1: Maybe one day, yeah. It's sort of like... Because I've been asked this question a lot. Uh, why don't you release your own music and go and do that and mm. I sort of just haven't felt like it sure. yet yeah. but um I think it'll come cool and I guess it was about finding my identity yeah. as a musician yeah. because you can it can be quite prescribed for you and you know you're seeing you know you, you you play guitar and you you know you want to make a living out of it so you start singing as well and then you go oh, like there's all of these people that you look up to like John Mayers and people like that and then it's like well who am I and what do I have to say that's different to those guys? Yeah, and and I guess I didn't feel as though I had stuff that was that important to stay in that context mm. from a singer songwriter sure. point of view. But now as I'm getting older, I, I feel like I'd probably attempt to come at this a little, a little bit differently yeah. and it'd be more like instrumental based sure. compositions yeah. and and groove based music and and sort of more of an arranger. Yeah, and
0: and that might be like if I mean I like. If, if, you know, songwriting or lyrics anyway is something that you're not maybe wanting to do as much of, this is kind of your language. I mean, you've been using that word the whole time, like music's a language and, and from hearing what you're saying, that's how you kind of approach it. And maybe that's the thing for you, like instrumental where you're actually telling a story that is important, but without words you know yep. yeah yeah
1: and, and collaborations yes I'm, i think i'm that's that's probably one thing i've definitely learned in in my time at this up until this point is i l- i love to collaborate yeah when making music totally. so there yeah, there are a few um things that i have collaborated on recently that are due to be re- released into the Sweet. near future so nice. a couple of crew up north yeah parissa yep. and andrew soler they're two lovely musicians that i work with and We've written songs together recently. Yeah, cool. The, those crew being the lyricists and me being the the, the musician and the, yeah. the, the chord progressions and the accompaniment. Yeah, cool. And uh they're in the pipeline to be released oh, at some exciting. point. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. But um nothing with nothing with my voice and guitar just straight up. It'll happen one day maybe. Totally. Oh,
0: I, I can imagine it'll be it'll be great, man.
1: Um Collaborations. If yes. you ever want to collaborate, let me know. Dude,
0: let's do it. It'd be fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate You're it. Most welcome. Thanks for having me, man. Cheers.
1: Cheers.